We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This thing on? See, now I'm getting mad. Because it's getting ready to be on. I want my whiskey to bite me a little bit. This is the kind of psychopath that I hang out with. I got beat up outside of a Denny's. The Rockpile Report. With Buffalo Bills season ticket holder, Drew Gear. He likes to get in the ex's nose. Something I can't do with this podcast because I drink too much. Chris Kruger. My rollerblading blonde mohawk producer. The pettiest, hardest drinking Bills podcast. I'm an adult. I know what I'm about. Everybody to another edition of the Rock Pile Report podcast. I am your host, Bill Season Ticket Holder Drew Gear. That's my producer, Chris Krueger, and we're here with your week 14 preview the New York Jets at the Buffalo Bills. Your time, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard. The place, Ralph Wilson Stadium, Orchard Park, New York. The weather, Chris Balmy by Buffalo, you know, December standards, correct? Yeah. Like a little, like. What, probably in the 40s? Probably rain? I don't know if it's raining. I didn't see. I mean, it's been raining all week. A little bit of precipitation. The line, the Bills minus nine and a half. Has it moved, Chris? No, I haven't seen it move. Now, it almost makes you want to take the Jets. I, but we've talked about this. Taking the taking the uh, the Bills opponent with the points seems to be the betting trend. The crew is Alex Kemp. Now, I only think that that's notice, like noticeable or notable because over the last two weeks, Alex Kemp has called just six penalties on home teams for a combined 35 yards while calling 10 for a combined 103 against away teams. Don't know. Not saying it's something, but, you know, you do something twice in the NFL. It, it gets called a trend. Chris, who do we have on the call? Nansen Romo. Nansen, the A squad? Yeah, here's the map. Wait, so the A squad. We get is, all the red. Well, so well, what's middle America watching? Uh, Kansas City and Denver. Late. Oh, that makes it. Wait, well, that doesn't make sense, but I guess it does. You know what I like? Those hayseeds love their Denver, even though they suck. My favorite part about the coverage map is right here in Louisiana. That little yellow. Yeah, what is that? Yellow blip. Do you know what BR stands for? No. Baton Rouge. 
They are getting Cleveland and Cincinnati all because of Joe Burrow. <laughs> Look at the poll. Like, we joke about the poll college football has. We're not even on. Why do you think Tim Tebow got brought to Jacksonville last year? Or, I don't know. Was it two years ago? Like, so, the, yeah. the fact that they brought in. Because, like, there is a, there's a gravity that Wyo- college football has. To- Wyoming's not getting that love at all. For uh, Josh Allen, the way that the affiliates in Baton Rouge are with Joe Burrow. Do you think it's because everyone thinks we're just going to handle the Jets? No, it's it's all up to the local affiliates of what they want to air. And there's only four one o'clock games on CBS. Weird. Yeah. When we get to the injuries... This is, Chris, I think this is wild. Michael Clemens, at defensive end, he's listed as did not participate with an illness. The dude got carted off the field twice last week during the Vikings. Yeah. Two different times. And then was still back out on the sideline, on the field. He's now, I figured, I'm like, okay, he's back out here, he's playing, but obviously when the training staff and the, gets a hold of him, the swelling sets in, he's going to miss this week's game. They listed him as DNP with an illness, not the knee injury that saw him carted off the field multiple times. He is the Terminator. Corey Davis, George Fant, DJ Reed all did not participate in practice today. Those are things to watch. That's your starting left tackle. That's one of your best wide receivers. That's your starting cornerback. Now, I believe the fact that they're all listed with illness. Eh. George Fant with a knee, though. That's something. You know who's not injured? Who? Tage Thompson. He's got five goals. He scored again? Yes. (laughs) The the hits just keep coming, people. In fact, people can figure out the chronology of these podcasts by the way we talk about Tage Thompson goals. Yeah, you can. Seven to two. <laughs> yeah, it is. That's a baseball score, not a hockey score. It's seven to two Sabers, or five to two Tage Thompson over the Blue Jackets. For the Buffalo Bills, the injury report: Josh Allen full participation. Deion Dawkins, thank God, working his way back in. Reggie Gilliam not participating with an ankle injury that forced him out kind of early in that Patriots game. Kim Lewis is back in. Matt Milano. Matt Milano, we saw what this looked like before without him. I don't want to go through that again. He did not participate. Coach says it's day-to-day with a knee injury. Uh, Everybody else is just kind of... Jordan Phillips. Also being out with a shoulder injury, that's something. That's something that bothers me immensely because we need as much defensive line beef as we can get because the rushing attack is such an integral part of what the Jets do on offense. Otherwise, it's just veteran rest for Mitch Morris, Roger Saffold, Dave Questenberry's coming back. I don't know. I, I just, Chris, I feel like, like the fact that we don't see Dawson Knox on here. Yeah. Isn't that encouraging? I like it. Okay. So, before we get into tonight's show, you owe me something, because you made a bet. I did. I made a bet via text. I want you to read it to people. I have to go find it. I did text Drew 
what I think it was Saturday. It was Saturday. Saturday, now, Saturday now, night. I'm in my basement, sanding and staining a piece of what is going to be my masterpiece down in my basement. This this bar that I'm refinishing. I sent you a text. It said Seagram's Alabama is the four seed. Gets into the slash. Gets into the playoff. And my response to him was, "I'll take that bet. I'll take they're that due, bet." They're due to stop screwing OSU over at some point, which it wasn't even the case. Mine was. I mean, we didn't discuss it, but I thought TCU was going to drop out. Alabama's two losses are are the this equivalent of TCU's one loss. Also, TCU doesn't draw ratings. I'm trying to view this in the mind of the committee because of the brand of Alabama. It's ratings like what Nick do you see what Nick Nick Saban said? No. He said if you put us in a game with TCU, we'd be favored immensely over them. Well, yeah, and, for sure. And Ohio State and uh Who's the, um, yeah, Ohio State, Michigan, TCU is like, you'd favor Alabama. No, I would I would agree with you. I was in, the I problem was, is, is that Max Duggan, that crazy son of a bitch. He's a gamer. He dug deeper than any collegiate quarterback I've ever seen with my own two eyes. This is a guy who had to get oxygen. Yep. Who was at various points through the second half of that game, just bleeding profusely from his forearm, from his knee, from his elbows, his, his hands. And he scores the, the like the touchdown to force the overtime, and he's just a ragdoll on the field, and his teammates have to carry him off. Yeah, was I that- guarantee you the reason they didn't call a quarterback sneak on that final play was because the coach was like, I don't have it in me. I don't have an enemy to crucify this young man any further. You need He's to. given me everything I think he has. You need to in that situation. I was mad. I almost flipped the table in the break room at work because <laughs> I had that game part of my parlay. Of course you did because you're a bad better. That's why I'm up this season. It makes me a bad better. I'm yes. up like $600. Usually you do bad. We didn't have to have many bad beat sessions with you this year. No, I. I'm sure they're coming with bowl season it's around like, the corner, though. There were other parts of like I had, I did it because it was like. Technically, like, outside of probably the playoff, it was, like, the last one of the season. Because I don't... NFL's just, like, way too fucking difficult to do. If I <laughs> if I do... See, NFL's where I make all my money. If, if it's anything... If I'm betting anything in the NFL, it's just straight money line. All the years I was gambling, I made more of my money on the NFL than college. College, I find to be way easier. Yeah, it's easier. It's low-hanging fruit, but the lines aren't as juicy, and you can't make as much money. People aren't willing to take as much action. Not not if, no, you're, using, I had, not if you're using turf accountants. I, I got I got the TCU wrong. No, it's newfangled sports betting on apps on your phone. Yeah. Jesus Christ! I would be. I'd either be a millionaire or I'd be bankrupt if I could do it from my phone. Yeah, I had TCU. I picked TCU minus one and a half, and then I had LSU plus 17 and a half, and they lost by twenty. Yeah. Well, you know what you have to do. Yeah. Is drink this. Peach Bellini Seagrams. Andy, if you could do me a favor and huck that across the room to Chris. Yeah. Look at those hands. There's a, Look at them. You have uh, EJ nope. Manuel hands. Yeah. His, his thing was when he threw it, he was like, well, I want to loft it to you so you can softball catch it. He didn't understand the eagle, like the eagle claw you have. My only thought was don't break that monitor. Like, <laughs> don't hit that TV and break it. It's a Vizio. We could replace it. Fair enough. We get yeah. paid. Thank you, Blue Wire. <laughs> so as you sit that Bellini, all I'm going to say is this about the Alabama Crimson Tide not making the playoffs. What I know 
is that Alabama had a decent season, but I've said it. You know, I said it during our uh, roundup. The Nick Saban is a lot like Bill Belichick. They're good friends. They get along. They have a lot of the same philosophies. They're both in the same position. They've run out of people to turn to. They've run out of friends. They have no more confidants. He turned to a 38-year-old man to be his defensive coordinator. Somebody who knows, like, oh, I've been I've been on a football staff for a while. I'm sure I'm qualified to be a coordinator. I'm 38. Yeah, well, you're the asshole who didn't know that you needed to spy Daniels as quarterback for the LSU Tigers after he ran to score a touchdown to tie the game, you didn't spy him in overtime and he immediately ended the game. The, you're a dickhead. You you don't deserve the post because obviously a quarterback spy was needed in, the, in these scenarios. Realistically, Saban doesn't have the horses this year. Not Eight to offense, two. Not in the offense. What, another goal? Eight to two. Drink more of that Bellini. Peyton Krebs. Don't sip it. Don't sip it. I'm I not. I can't chug- make it bubble when you hit it. I can't, Come on now. I'm not a chugger. I Duke's can't, a hazard style. I can't chug things. So what I see from Alabama is them not making the playoffs actually makes me happy because they get to go into a bowl game against a team that I think I can have fun watching. I feel like if they were to have made the bowl as the four seed against Georgia, I would have watched what basically happened to the Dolphins back in, what what was it, Rex Ryan's final year, 2016, where the Dolphins snuck into the playoffs. They thought they were hot shit. They beat us on Christmas Eve. And then they got their teeth kicked in in the first eight minutes of that football game. They were down by three scores to the Steelers. (laughs) I feel like nine... What? They got nine? Yeah. We have God. officially reached baseball score status, people. This Sabres game is... <laughs> My wife is at home doing cartwheels. Well, you know, Well, let's get this out of the way. As we've been referencing the Sabres score, you moved. You don't have direct TV. You have Fubo TV, which doesn't carry TNT. Yeah, so she doesn't get to watch the TNT games. Yeah, so she's not watching tonight. She's probably following on her phone. Yeah, well, I'd rather be able to watch it. I'm getting text messages from my old boss in Atlanta who's texting me about, like, who is this Tage Thompson character? (laughs) God. First of all, you moved to Atlanta. Chris, you left Atlanta. You remember what that cesspool was like? Yeah, that place sucks. (laughs) Realistically, Alabama was better off missing the playoff. I'm happy it's over. I don't have to have anxiety about it. I get to just watch a fun bowl game that means nothing. Watch a bunch of our guys hit the transfer portal, and hopefully we can pay. Our boosters can pay more money than most other people's boosters, and we will end up with a solid football team next year. I don't know. We'll let it all go into the wind, but realistically, I'm happy that I finally won one of these Seagram's bets because I feel like I've been on the losing end more than not this season. Oh, well, you got one. You got one. To pay in a couple weeks. Oh, yeah. Right there at the bottom. Yep. Uh, OBJ signs by week 17. Yep. Yeah. If he doesn't, if he doesn't sign somewhere by week 17, it's it's a problem. Well, we what is, we're going into what, 14? 14. I got three weeks. So, we do have to go over Nate's bet there. Oh, no. Cook more snaps by week 15. Two flavored Seagrams and a beer bong. 
Yeah. Oh, so is, and, and and you know what? Lauren is, was nice enough yeah. to mail us the beer bong. Yeah. Is she bought it for us on Amazon and had it shipped here? Is Cook getting more snaps than Singletary? We're about to find out. All right. Oh, it's going to be the best. Next week is going to be one of the best podcasts ever. What was the breakdown last week? Who got more snaps last week? Andy, I'll be honest with you. I don't know. Guys, call in. Call in if you know. <laughs> call in if you have the answer. Call in if you know the snap counts from Meanwhile, last week. ahead of us, a matchup with the, you know, the creme de la creme of the AFC East. Obviously, that's a joke. The, a team with no quarterback, the New York Jets. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. To kind of augment tonight's conversation as we go into the Jets, because we're done trashing college football, Scott Mason from Play Like a Jet. Scott, how do you feel about this weekend? Are you excited? Well, first of all, before I get to that, I have to say, number one, I'm honored to be getting called up to the Rock Pile Report podcast, kind of like a developmental wrestler getting called up from NXT to the WWE main roster. Uh, especially since everybody knows I'm everybody, everybody's favorite jobber on the show. <laughs> the, the second thing I have to say is I just had the, I just heard the funniest and somewhat most insulting thing from Chris where we were getting ready to tape and he turns to Drew after I had talked to him for a couple of minutes and he goes, I'm trying to talk to Scott by myself and it's really awkward. And I'm like, what is that supposed to mean? that's that's all it's all on me if anybody that knows me it's like i can only get in like a back and forth of like five to ten responses back and forth exchanges and then it's and then it's like please please end this please please end this people i don't like talking to other people when you hear me say that he is the personality of a dead moth i'm not kidding like this is what this is, Chris Krueger. People, this is, and I'm glad, <laughs> Scott, that you finally got to see it. I guess this is why you're the host and he's not the host. Huh? He, oh, does yeah. he have host energy? <laughs> I can. I can. I know that when this, when we, when your hair is feeling a little stiff, yeah, when and we, you, uh, when the wind's blowing right the right direction, when we hit record, I know that. I can turn my personality up to 11 <laughs> to make it seem like I'm more personable, but I'm really just a piece of shit. <laughs> it's one of the funniest <laughs> dynamics, and I'm happy you got to see it. I'm, I really am. 
So, in terms of this weekend's game, I want to start right off the bat with the return of Mike White. Now, this is the thing. It's the game against the Bills where he cratered last time. Right. I, you you talk about what Mike White is in terms of passing structure. He seems better at timing routes and three-step drops than an attack based on long developing pass plays. One of the things that I think has I, I think that this team was built around was this idea that Zach Wilson was going to be the quarterback. So the problem is that some of your players, the Corey Davises, the I mean, obviously, don't get me wrong, Garrett Wilson is I want to say on track to be offensive rookie of the year. I think he should be. Brees Hall probably could have had it if he hadn't gotten hurt. It's Chris, is it crazy that the Jets had two different players who could both qualify for offensive rookie of the year? Yeah, it's insane. The problem and also the leading candidate for defensive rookie of the year. Yes. You have both of those. The problem if we're just talking about the quarterback position is that a lot of that was kind of predicated on the fact that you guys would take some shots and that you guys would go downfield and feed wide receivers into those intermediate and deep areas, which is what Zach Wilson was supposed to give this offense. Unfortunately, he ain't he ain't here no more. <laughs> he he gone. He gone. And now what we're left with is Mike White, who you we talked about at the top of the AFC's roundup this week. Your coach said it. This is Mike White's chance to, quote-unquote, make some noise. Well, I don't know. His version of making noise is that he has upgraded field vision compared to Zach Wilson. He seems to have better pocket awareness, but less athleticism, and he seems to just live and die by the short throw. True or false? Uh... I don't know that I would say that's necessarily true. Here's what I'll tell you, and I thought this was interesting. I decided to go back and look at Mike White's scouting report from when he was at Western Kentucky. Now, ironically, he was in the same draft with Josh Allen and Sam Darnold. He was picked in the fifth round by the Cowboys. And so most people's perception of Mike White, based on the small sample size, has been exactly what you just said, right? But if you go back and look at his scouting reports, what's interesting is that a lot of the stuff that they listed as weaknesses in his game, uh, inability to um, to hit the timing routes and uh, short passes and things like that, those are things he's cleaned up. And a lot of things that we haven't necessarily seen, deep ball throwing, touch on the deep ball, stuff like that, those are things that were identified as strengths when he was at Western Kentucky. Another thing, by the way, that that was considered a weakness with Mike White at Western Kentucky was ability to to get a throw off with the blitz coming his way. He's been actually really good at that in the pros. So it's kind of fascinating. What I wonder is with Mike White, since he has flourished with the, the short timing passes and all that, but we do know from his college scouting report that he's capable of doing other things when the short precision routes are taken away, is he going to be able to succeed going downfield? And we've seen mixed results so far, but if he can add that element to his game and it can become a strength again, like it was for him when he was at Western Kentucky, then he could be an interesting quarterback for the jets going forward. And I'm curious to see what he does against Buffalo. He succeeded 
in the, the terrible rain and wind at MetLife Stadium a couple of weeks ago against the Bears. The Bills are obviously a different defense, even though they're going to be missing Von Miller. So can he deal with what's probably going to be a windy and relatively cold day in Buffalo and maybe push the ball downfield if the Bills take away the short game? That, I think, is going to be a lot of the key to what happens on Sunday between these two teams. Well, here's what I like about, uh, for the Bills, anyway, and here's what I like about White's game coming into here to play Buffalo. You know, first of all, we talked about it on your podcast, Play Like a Jet, which if you guys are listening to this, go listen to my show over there because you're going to hear a much soberer version of this conversation. I didn't know it was <laughs> your show. Well, listen, it's <laughs> on my show. I appeared Scott's. on it. I appeared on it. Chris has tried to coach me into this. Do not act like a host on someone else's show. It took Chris five years to teach me that. <laughs> Scott, you you found us at the right time. Like We all <laughs> met each other at the right time. So here's what I know. When I watch the way he plays football, turnovers have been a theme, but more of it's just to your point on the way he's been forced to play or the way he's chosen to play, which is a lot of underneath stuff. You're going to throw into the high traffic areas. Well, that by nature of what you're doing makes it dangerous. What I saw though, when I looked at the statistics, Mike white is third in the league right now, according to next gen stats an aggressive throw percentage, which means passes at a target with less than a full yard of separation. So the guy's not lacking balls. He has them, but last year he threw one touchdown and four picks on those kind of throws. And you look at it and you say, well, on the same throws, he's already thrown two picks to go along with his three touchdowns. This is a recipe for again, another bad football game. Quick passing does do him a lot of favors because he doesn't have a lot of mobility in the pocket. and But the quick passing into coverage can be a problem. <laughs> like, hey, I know like for a team like Buffalo that likes to shift its coverage pre-snap to post-snap, that can be an issue. When you see dual linebackers in the A-gap and then they drop out and both play just that center zone, He's already looking there going, hey, I can throw it to my running back on a curl. Oh, shit, Matt Milano's standing there. Does he still uncork it thinking he can get the ball there? That's going to be the arm wrestling match, I think, that takes place between the Bills offense and defense, uh, and the Jets offense and the Bills defense, don't you think? Yeah, for sure. And uh, what you said about Mike White is true. That's why a lot of people have compared him in some ways to Taylor Heineke, in fact, Bilal Powell compared him to Ryan Fitzpatrick, but I don't think that's fair to anybody. Nobody wants to be compared to Ryan Fitzpatrick, or at least I don't think they should want to be compared no. to Ryan Fitzpatrick. But we've talked about this before. It's the irrational confidence thing. Mike White has a solid arm, but you know how that goes. When you're going to throw a ball into super tight windows, last week is a good example. There was a fourth and 10 play where he threw a pass to Corey Davis and they got the first down to keep the drive alive and keep the game going. But it was a super, super tight window that he fit that ball into. So like you said, he's not lacking in confidence. That's the kind of throw where I hate to say this, but Zach Wilson would have gotten nervous, waited too long, and then ended up running around and and gotten sacked 10 yards behind the line of scrimmage or something. Or just tossed the ball away and and either – gotten it barely out of bounds or had it intercepted with Mike White. 
that's the danger, though. It's that you're going to get some proficient throws. You're going to get some good stuff uh, down underneath, and and you'll get some some nice tight window passes. But you know how it is: live by the sword, die by the sword. There's going to be, you know, the perfect example is is that Bengals game last year where he threw over 400 yards. He threw three touchdowns, but like you said, he also threw two interceptions. So that's what you're going to get with Mike White. And what you hope if you're a Jets fan is that he's able to somehow keep those turnovers in check. Tony Romo, Brett Favre, guys like that, those are gunslingers that are going to throw interceptions. But Tony Romo had a career touchdown to interception ratio of something like two and a half to one. If you can do that, like let's say, yeah, okay, you throw two, three touchdowns, maybe you toss an interception or whatever, you can probably live with that if you're the Jets, if you're moving the chains. And that is one thing that Mike White has been good at that Zach Wilson certainly wasn't. It's moving the chains. Now, ultimately, what doomed the Jets last week is their inability to do anything once they got down inside the 10-yard line. Ah. They had to settle for field goals five (laughs) times. And they only got one touchdown out of the scoring opportunities. Now, if they can change that, and I would argue that a lot of that had to do with terrible play calling by Mike Floor, if they can change that, and if the Jets can be efficient moving the chains, even if Mike White maybe lives a little too dangerously and turns the ball over once or twice, the Jets might still have a chance to, to win, especially if the Jets' defense can play anywhere near as well as it did against the Bills the first time. Let's talk about the thing you just mentioned, because I'll tell you what, I watched that whole fucking game. Yeah, I we watched were texting that, back and You and me were texting that during that game. Yep. Jets-Vikings, I'm texting Scott going, this has to be your drive. All right, your team is still left. I, I don't, Chris, I have never found myself rooting for another AFC's team before. Yep. Until that game, because what I'm watching is an, a gross aberration, a team that can move the football inside the 30 and then still have to kick a field goal. I every time, every yep. time, like yep. I, I know plenty of jerks who who's just like rushed to snag Bam Knight, Jets running back Bam Knight off waivers in fantasy football last week, thinking that he was a star who could save their sinking fantasy teams. <laughs> I know, because I was one of them. He's <laughs> one of those people. He had another solid game with 90 yeah. yards, six yards per carry. What He saw the 10th most light boxes in the NFL. And yet at the same time, when they got inside the 30, and the safeties came down into the box, you watched. It was literally George Costanza getting out of the pool. That was it. Your offense shriveled and died on the vine. To the point where Greg Zerline had, I think, a career day in terms of fantasy football. He had a 60-yard kick, too. The thing that was annoying, though, is, and Drew, you remember this, the one that sticks out to me that really just aggravated me so much Bam Knight got them all the way down inside the one-yard line. They had second and goal inside the one, and they passed it three straight times. Yes. And, yeah, I mean, you can make the case that the offensive line wasn't getting pushed down there, whatever, but you've got to run the ball at least once. He got you all the way down inside the one. Mike LaFleur, that was a perfect example of getting a little too cute, trying to be uh, too clever by half, as I like to say, and it burned them. And, it, look, it, the Minnesota Vikings, I don't think, are as good of a football team as I know they beat the Bills, and I know that they have 
a, a really good record. They're they're nine and two right now, but at the same time, it's like you watch them, or excuse me, ten and two. You watch them, and they're winning in these like weird ways that shouldn't be happening. They're well, barely winning games, and well, well and this so- is going to be my question. So, a team like the Vikings, that's we talked about it earlier in the AFC's roundup, how the Vikings swept the AFC East. And yet if you, they're one of those teams where I saw the graphic today that if you flipped the results of every team's one score wins or losses, what the conferences would look like, Minnesota would be maybe they'd have one win. They'd have one victory. One win more than one touchdown. So, so, I guess my question is, what happened to the rushing game once you guys got in the red zone? Why did that fail you, do you think? I think part of it is, like I said, they didn't go to it enough down there, at least not when they got really close. And I think part of it, too, is maybe they don't trust James Robinson because you could have brought him and he's a big, powerful back. You can't tell me that somebody like that can't get you half a yard, three quarters of a yard, even if you're Thank afraid because you. Bam Knight's a smaller guy. The thing I, I flipped out about with you over text message, yeah. you literally had the ball at the half-yard line, and yep. you handed it off at the five and got tackled for a loss. Yep. No shit. Like, yep. what What are we talking about here? Made no sense. I, I was so annoyed. And look, I mean, <laughs> the thing with the Jets now is they kind of have to figure out how to fix that problem because they've clearly shown that with Mike White, they can move the chains they did it against the Bears. They get, did it against the Vikings. And the Bills are a better defense than both of those. So I'm curious to see how Mike White does, especially since I wonder if they're in his head from last year. Maybe Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier just have his number. But if he can move the chains again against the Bills and they're getting down inside the 10-yard line and they keep settling for field goals, I think we both know that's a recipe for disaster. The Bills will make them pay for that the same way that Minnesota did, although – with Minnesota, it was just one of those situations where they got off to a lead and held on for dear life and were able to just barely do enough in the second half to come out with a victory. I think with the Bills, it's going to be a different story. The, the Bills right now, they're back on, on the winning side of things. They're clearly going to be looking for revenge against the Jets after what happened the last time. And really, I mean, the Jets have so many injuries. Max Mitchell again now is out. He's done for the season. Uh, so I, uh, <laughs> I, what I'm saying is they better, once they get opportunities, make the most of them. They have got to punch that ball in the end zone, or this could be a really bad afternoon for the Jets. That was one of the things I wanted to talk to you about. So in terms of injuries on offense, before we pivot to defense, there are questions as far as who's going to be healthy enough to play at. Like the Bills had to deal with this last week, offensive tackle health questions. For the Jets – What's your offensive line going to look like that's going to try to help support this passing game, running game mix? So, as you know, it's been just a weird... A disaster. Can we call yeah. it a disaster? Yeah. I mean, look, I'll, I'll run through it really quickly, exactly what happened. So, the first major injury was Mekhi Becton. He twisted his foot in the turf at practice, and now he was out for the year before the season even started. So, he was gone. George Fant got hurt, and so he was out. And Dwayne Brown, who was brought in to replace Becton, he got hurt, he was out. So Max Mitchell was playing, then Max Mitchell got hurt, and Dwayne Brown came back. They signed Cedric Abouhe, 
who was a former first round pick a couple of years ago. I want to say it was the Bengals who drafted him initially. It was. He he was playing a little bit. Uh, Elijah Vera Tucker was moved to tackle first left tackle and right tackle after the injuries and he got hurt. So then that's when Abuhe came in at guard. It, it was Elijah Vera, uh, excuse me, it was Elijah Vera Tucker then when he moved to tackle. They brought uh, um, they brought in Nate Herbig, who they had acquired in the offseason off waivers from the Eagles. He's played very well, but then he was hurt. So then they were mixing and matching stuff on, on the guard side. The only two players that have been healthy the entire way have been Lakin Tomlinson, Tomlinson, who they signed in the offseason from the 49ers, and Connor McGovern, the center. And they've both – Tomlinson's been a bit of a disappointment. McGovern has had his best season as a Jet. And so what you're going to see on Sunday, at least as of now, knock on wood, barring any injuries. And by the way, the flu is going around, so a couple of the players mispracticed. I saw that. <laughs> yeah. It, apparently it was something that the players in Minnesota had too because a bunch of them mispracticed as well. But what you're probably looking at here is McGovern and Tomlinson again. Tomlinson at left guard, McGovern at center. Herbig at right guard, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif, who was brought in last year via late season trade and played pretty well. He came back. He was off doing a mission in a foreign country. He's a doctor, so he went to do some doctor stuff somewhere, and now he decided he wanted to play, so he came back to the Jets. He's going to be on the roster for the first time this season, so – he would be, I would assume, the injury replacement if anything happens at guard. And then at tackle, you're going to see George Fant, who came back last week, and you'll see Dwayne Brown. Those will be your two tackles. And both of those guys are, are solid and serviceable. You know the story with Dwayne Brown. He's 37 years old. At, in his peak, he was the one of the top tackles in the league. Now he's still okay. Not what he used to be in Fant. Better at left tackle than right tackle, but he'll do in a pinch. So those will be the five guys that you see. Fant was supposed to start the season, and he was hurt. He missed quite a bit of time. He's finally back. Uh, they have Mike Remmers, who they called up from the, pra- uh, from the uh, practice squad. So he'll be depth at tackle in case something happens to Fant or Dwayne Brown again. And so essentially you've got those five guys playing, and three of the five – well, really two of the five have missed extended time. One of them, Herbig, missed a game. So that's what you've got. You've got three guys, five guys that are all serviceable, solid starters. Two of them have had significant injuries this year. One of them missed uh, a game. So that's what you got now. And, and I think this will be only the second game of the season that this group would have played together. So it's going to be really wild to watch. Now on the defensive side of the football, the Jets almost pulled off this comeback ridiculous victory last week against Minnesota, despite all of that nonsense that we talked about from their offense. And it's because in the second half, the defense held Minnesota to just a single a single score. And it was unfortunate. Like, it was one of those things where it almost felt accidental that the touchdown right. happened. They suffocated Minnesota. Like... The same way the Bills, Chris, we talked about pillow over the face, face down in a bathtub when we were describing the way the Bills beat the Patriots. The Jets defense did that to Minnesota all of the game. They just got unlucky that a handful of the drives where they did collect yardage ended up in scores. 
The Vikings are just the third team this season to score more than 24 points against the Jets. You guys held them to under 300 total yards. That sounds ridiculous. Obviously, the secondary has been really, really solid. Justin Jefferson made some plays, but not many. And you held him to 45 yards after he went off against the Bills. He went off against the Patriots. He went up against you guys and just ran into a rock. <laughs> that was it. He just hit the brick wall. The the Jets no-fly zone, as I think I saw some people on Twitter calling it. Like, no wide receiver on that team had more than 45 yards. That's That's a talking point. Allen is a better quarterback than Kirk Cousins, but the fact is the Vikings probably have an equivalent, maybe better group of skill position players. So I'm not convinced that Allen's going to exactly light things up through the air this week. At the same time, we're watching this transformation happen to the Bills' offense. It's beginning to flow more through the running backs, and they're getting more involved in both the passing game and rushing. How do you think, given the changes that the Bills have enacted over the last two weeks and what we've put on tape, that the Jets' defense is going to try to approach this matchup with? Well, what's interesting is since you watched that Vikings game, what you saw is that the Vikings realized they could exploit the middle of the field a little bit. And so you saw what Dalvin Cook was able to do specifically. He had some really big plays in the first half. They were able to move the chains. They got some penalties, too, in the process. That's one thing with Justin Jefferson. Even though he only had 45 yards, there were some penalties called uh, in that direction. So I think what the Bills will look at is the Jets have had some issues with mobile quarterbacks. but They didn't have to deal with Justin Fields two weeks ago, which I think helped them a lot. But even Trevor Simeon uh, and David Montgomery were doing some things early in the game, and then they adjusted. I think Josh Allen will probably be a a tough matchup for the Jets, not just with his arm, but with his legs. We've seen what he can do. I'm curious to see if they try to run some combination of Cook and Singletary and and exploit that, and then maybe maybe get Dawson Knox involved in the middle of the field. I know that he's mostly been a blocking tight end this year, but I I think really what what you're going to see is the Bills try to copy what the Vikings did last week, which is what I just said, and it worked in the first half. Now, the Jets were able to clamp down in the second half, but if the Bills can build a big enough lead, then the question just becomes, what happens with what we talked about before with Mike White? Can they take away the short game? And if they do, are the Jets able to figure out a way to score enough points? What the Jets game last week came down to was, could the Jets score enough in the second half to overcome what they did wrong in the first half. The defense playing relatively poorly, one of their weaker showings since they struggled early in the year, and the offense not being able to do much in the first half. Would would they be able to overcome it? Now, they moved the chains enough to theoretically score enough to overcome it, but as we said, too many field goals. They just settled for too many field goals. 100%. So I think that's really what it's going to come down to this time. It's the same thing. Your defense uh, carried the load, and your offense, your offense failed them. They owe your defense. Well, they owe your defense well, dinner and a lot more than that. Here's one of the to things. To be fair, the, the defense didn't do all that well in the first half, and I think that was no. part of the problem too. Sure. So everyone's trying to play catch up, but here's what I do know. 
in the last matchup that these two teams got together for, you guys showed an acknowledgement. And maybe that's some of Robert Sala seeing what Josh Allen is. Because every, every coach comes in off the bench and goes, I have a system. I have an idea. I have a thought. And I'm going to put it into, into action. I know how to play Josh Allen. And then he just goes off the first game <laughs> against the Robert Sala defense. The second game he plays a little bit tougher. It was, you see it down the stretch, but then we get away from him and the game kind of unravels late and it's all over. And we're standing there at the end of the year celebrating the fact that we've won the AFC East again for a second year in a row. Last game, the Jets played 60% of their defensive snaps in zone concepts, even though we know that they're very good at man coverage. That allowed your defensive line to create pressure and force Allen to just, I don't know, run around. It it caused him to scramble for a quarter of our total yards. Like, our total rushing yards were just, just Josh Allen scrambling for his life. The zone thing worked. I expect him to go back to it, but at the same time, it seems like lately they've worked in some zone beaters. Dorsey is finally understanding how to manipulate that. So I'm interested to see how that plays into this matchup. Do you think that they'll take the same track, or do you think that they'll try more of a man coverage approach in this one? The Jets or the Bills? The Jets. I want to talk. The Jets matching up with the Bills def- Bills offense. Right. I wasn't sure if you were asking me if, you, if I thought the, how the Jets were going to adjust. No, no. The Bills take that tack. Gotcha. Yeah, no. So I, I think they're going to tr- – I mean, I would assume they'll have somebody spy Allen. If, if they do, I would think it's probably Quan Alexander just because he's the fastest linebacker, either him or maybe Jermaine Johnson, depending on how many snaps he gets. And remember, in that first matchup with the Bills and the Jets, the, the, that we, there was that big play where Josh Allen was sacked by Jermaine Johnson, who was able to catch him. If Allen had gotten by Jermaine Johnson, it would have been a big gain, and that drive would have continued. Uh, as far as what they're going to do to in, in coverage, I, look – I think largely what they did the first time worked. So I, I think they may start with that where they'll, you know, predominantly what you saw was they bracketed Diggs and, you know, Diggs had that one really big play at the beginning of the game uh, with, with sauce. And for the most part, they bracketed him with DJ Reed and LaMarcus Joyner. And then they had sauce covering Gabe Davis and Gabe Davis didn't really do much. So I wouldn't Shocker. be surprised to see something like that again to start. And then if it's not working, maybe they move off of it and adjust. That's one thing I will say last week, obviously, whatever it is they did in the locker room at halftime to fix things in the second half worked because they only allowed that one touchdown drive in the second half. Exactly. So, so, I think that's what we'll probably see. So I'm looking at what will you guys open the game with versus what we see. Because like, I think that could set the tone for the whole game, the same way it did against the Vikings. If the Bills can adjust to what they saw last time, and if the Jets are confident in what they saw last time, what we could see is the Bills maybe have a little bit more ease in moving the football. I also think that the health on defense of the Buffalo Bills is going to make things harder on you guys. 
in terms of how Mike White wants to run the offense. What's a matchup you think favors the Jets, and what's one that you think favors the Bills? So I'll, I'll give you an offense. I would think that <laughs> really any matchup involving Garrett Wilson at this point is going to favor the Jets. I mean, it's sure. crazy. I, I never thought he would be as good as he's been so far. Stud. Uh, Stud. I had, I had said coming out of Ohio State, I thought he could be pretty good, but I saw him as a clear – I thought he would be like a, a a very good number two. I didn't think he, he had it in him to be what he's been, but, yeah, he's been unbelievable. And, look, I mean, what it really comes down to with him is he's got that incredible quick twitch, so it allows him to get that fast release, get open quickly, and then when he has the ball – when the ball comes, A – he has those basketball player instincts to go up and get it, even against guys that are much bigger and physically stronger than him. And B, when he has the ball in his hands, as he, as you saw two weeks ago against the Bears, he's got those basketball player moves where he can just do the crossover dribble type thing and make guys fall in their face. So whether it's Trey Wright, uh, Tredavious White, or whoever it is they have covering him, I think that matchup would definitely favor the Jets. I think if Sauce covers Gabe Davis again, that would – certainly favor the Jets. And on the other end of it, I think that, uh, you know, when you talk about the run game, I think Matt Milano being there is, you know, because if, if I'm not mistaken, he didn't play the first time, right? Nope. Nope, he was so out think, of the game. Yeah, I think Matt Milano being there will, will help immensely. Uh, that matchup certainly would favor the Bills. And on the other end, like we said, I think Josh Allen running the ball is going to be something that the Jets are going to struggle to deal with all day. Last time they played, I think he had like 86 yards. He had a really good day with using his legs. Uh, wasn't as good passing the ball. He had a lot of trouble doing that. So I, I think that's really what I would look at. Milano's return, I think, will, will give the Bills a major advantage in that matchup. Allen with his legs will give the Bills a major advantage on the offensive side of the ball. And then Garrett Wilson, no matter who he's going up against, is going to be tough. And on the other end of things, if it's Sauce versus Gabe Davis, I would think that that should favor Sauce again. I love getting together to do this type of stuff. I'm happy you can come on here and just kind of give us some of your inside inside knowledge of the team as far as what the strengths, weaknesses are, where can people find you on social media and where can, where can they follow all of the content that you guys are going to have in this run up to this? I know I was on your Know Your Foe show and I think we had a lot of fun last night. Always, Drew. It's always fun. And uh, unlike Chris, I don't think that you feel like it's a chore talking to me. So that's <laughs> always a positive. <laughs> unlike Chris, I don't feel like it's a chore being a human being and speaking to people. I Shocker. just get it. I can't stop laughing at that. He said, Drew, I've been trying to talk to Scott by myself and it's getting awkward. I just, I, I, I very rarely have heard that about myself. I think Drew, you and I no. are coming from the it's same me. It's app. not you. It's, all it's 100% me. No, no, I know, Chris. I know. I'm just, I'm just joking around, but I think Drew, you and I are cut from the same cloth that way. Yes. We could talk to a lamppost for an hour. Exactly. Uh, so people could find play like a jet. Uh, anywhere you download podcasts, the usual places, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple, uh, whatever weird website you get your podcast from, you know, whatever you want to do, playlikeajet.com. We've got some written material there. 
Our YouTube channel is youtube.com slash play like a jet where the thunder from down under Luke Grant does a lot of great all 22 breakdowns. I'm glad to be able to come on the main podcast and like an RKO out of nowhere, bring <laughs> some jets insight to this, uh, to this party. And I will say that regardless of what happens, I, I think it would be very interesting if when the season wraps up, we're doing a podcast talking about how both of these teams are in the playoffs. Scott Mason, play like a jet. He's on Twitter at play like a jet one. Go follow all of his content, YouTube, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast and uh, give play like a jet a listen. Cause Drew was on there this week in the know your foe. Yes, I was. I was in there doing the know your foe. Andy, I have a question. Do, do bills fans listen to that show? Like, if you hear that I'm on a, like, hey, get to know your opponent show on the other side, do you guys ever drift over there just to see what kind of smack I talk while I'm there? Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> You're a little bit more muted. You're not quite as bombastic on other people's shows as you are on this one. So, you know, I listen sometimes. I try to be a good guest. Chris, like, earlier tonight when you got here in studio with us, we were joking around about how I'm uncoachable and that I've never really kind of taken any any of Chris's advice. That's not true. What I learned from Chris is that when you go on other people's shows, even if you don't agree with the direction, even if you know, like, oh, you asked me a question, but there's a better way you could have asked that that would lead to a better conversation. If you go on someone's podcast... (laughs) Don't host it. If you go on someone's (laughs) podcast, you just sit there and answer what is said, what is asked of you. (laughs) That's all you do. You don't. There's there's been times I've seen on like when we used to do like videos and upload them to Twitter. There's like minute minute or two minute long videos. I like I remember like we did one I think for at my old apartment where we were going to do the put in the studio space in the other bedroom. And we filmed in like a the empty room about the studio coming. And you said some like you said something and threw it to me. And then you. You legitimately took a power stance forward. Like, you stepped in front of me. Like, we were shoulder to shoulder, <laughs> but you, like, took two steps forward and and went, like, one shoulder length over into my space Can just I, just I, to, like, I, insert your dominance where it didn't need to be at it's, all. It, it, it's, like, uh, it's like he's bounding down. Kenny's cutting in. Yeah. Kenny's cutting in. So I've gotten better at that. I think. No. But also, I talk a lot of shit still. Like, it still happens. I think it's fun. You guys should go check out the podcasts that I do when I go on other shows and do these things. Chris, this week's keys to victory, I feel pretty good about them. Wow, it's a lot of keys. Bigger the keychain, more powerful the man. Andy, true or false, the Bills need to make more tackles in their last game. Absolutely. (laughs) Try using your arms every time. See, this is it. Anybody who was sober enough to recall most of the last game, like Andy, probably remembers a whole lot of Venus de Milo action. Just guys out there not using their arms, just shoulder tackling. Yeah, I'll just throw my body weight at the guy. Specifically, the now-benched Jaquan Johnson. And just how sloppy we looked. Like, If anybody needs a reminder, I'll run the numbers down for you. Ten different players posted at least one missed tackle attempt. 12 missed tackles as a group, 174 rush yards allowed. Michael Carter had 41 rush yards over expected, 
which is a fancy way for NFL Next Gen Stats, basically saying that more than half, right, more than half of his rush yards came on plays where based on his proximity to a defender, he should have been tackled. They were like, spatially, that guy should have been brought down. We don't know why he kept running. I could tell you it's because we sucked. Meanwhile, in a game that degenerated into a rock fight and saw this anemic Jets offense hang around until the very final moments, the Vikings did almost the exact same thing. Bam Knight, 34 rush yards over expected. Six players with missed tackles, eight of them in total. Now, this fast of our game has to be shored up coming into this contest because that can't be allowed to do that kind of extended damage to our defense. It can't. It's clearly something that's... Chris, Andy, can we all agree? That's the thing sustaining this offense, correct? Yep. Pretty much. Without it, what do they have that you can rely on consistently down in and down out? What would you say you do here? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what, what, Jets, what is it you say you do here well except for run the football? They go, well, we have this, this, this check down pass by Mike White. No, fuck you. And fuck the check down pass. Can you throw it to the deep right corner? Absolutely not. No? Okay. Well, then don't talk to me about your passing game. In that way, they're still winning football games because people are allowing them to get away with this. We we just can't. You have to make your tackles. Everybody's so worried about not giving up the big play. Oh, I can't give up the big play downfield. I can't give up the big play in the running game. But you shouldn't give up the little stuff either. You can't be content with letting them get four, five, six yards per carry on the run game. It doesn't work that way. You're going you're gonna to bleed through a thousand paper cuts and lose the game that way. That's that's absolutely it. Like, in fact, if anything, if you don't do the small things well, doing the big things well won't matter. Right. Like, hey, we had excellent coverage and their quarterback only threw for 200 yards. If you give up 174 yards on the ground, my guess is you probably had a rough day. Yeah. Safety usage. And this kind of feeds directly into this point. A huge part of what we did wrong last time is also tied into this, how we're going to use our safeties. Now, everybody already knows that our linebackers, preeminent talents. I mean, after this week, Tremaine Edmonds is what I think I saw a tweet today. He's the number one ranked PFF, like pass defending linebacker in football. What do those guys know? What do they know? Even when they're saying nice things about it, I still have to preface it with I don't. You don't have to love the numbers. They just they tell us things. But the, him and Matt Milano both finish in the top 12 in that regard. What that tells me is uh, the eye test. Like Think about what Matt Milano's done to shut down Mark Andrews over the years. What, Matt, what we know Matt Milano is in terms of pass coverage. They're great coverage assets. This season, and most like in this New England game, Tremaine Edmonds took a giant step forward in terms of what we expect from him against the run. His, just his presence is a do-it-all middle linebacker. And they show you that they can be a fantastic pair of do-everything-well linebackers. The key a defensive resurgence down the stretch. I think that it's worth noting 
you know, Brett Coleman likes to call him defensive MVP nobody votes for. Matt Milano. Like, we were missing him in the last game. Yeah. Now he's injured. We, I'm assuming he will play if they're calling him day-to-day. Mm-hmm. He'll probably practice limited, limited, and then he'll play in the game. If he doesn't, that's notable. But last time, the back end of the defense really let us down, and some of it's the scheme that Frazier had. Like, Jaquan Johnson missed three tackles. Hamlin missed another two. But here's a stat that nobody's talking about in regards to that. James Robinson and Michael Carter, neither one of them faced a box with eight or more defenders in the game. Like, if you go to, Am- if you go to next-gen stats for NFL, you can organize the statistics by how many like runs against eight-plus defenders and how they did with a quote-unquote stacked box. The Bills didn't give either one of them a single stacked box in week nine. Not one. Now, knowing that we primarily play nickel defense, I could see that. It's Teron Johnson. It's Tremaine Edmonds. It's uh, who's our third round pick at linebacker, Chris? Colin, if you know. That we just. The rookie who played against the Jets got his first start. Is Balin Specter? No, that's the seventh rounder out of Clemson. Who's the. Uh, I don't know. Why am I drawing a blank on this? It doesn't matter because he, he wasn't good. Otherwise, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Right. Bernard? Ber- Terrell Bernard. Oh, right. I got it. So, realistically, we didn't stack the box. We tried to keep our normal philosophy with just a bunch of bit pieces and young, under underexperienced players kind of shoehorned into different roles. And you held them back to try to take the take the Jets out of this mode of taking shots down the field with Garrett Wilson and then just ask them to rally from depth and try to tackle effectively. It clearly failed. The fact that both of our safeties had a combined five missed tackles, that's not good. In this game, knowing what we know about Mike White, but the safeties are going to play a huge role, and here's how. Pre-snap movement and rotation of the safeties is going to be important to slow down White's decision-making and also give him some different post-snap looks that make him a little more hesitant, bias an extra second or maybe even half a second in the pocket. Knowing how infrequently he tests defenses down the field and this proclivity to choose throwing into tight windows and traffic, there's going to be a lot of opportunities to rotate from two high looks down into single high. Bring that safety down like... Poyer, for instance. Like, hey, look, they're not going to take the deep shot anyway, so leave Hamlin on the back end. Let's bring Poyer down with his ball skills. Let him come down and try to make a play the same way Harrison Smith did for Minnesota last week where he netted a pick and then dropped another one that was was a beach ball. It was so easy, and I can't believe he dropped it. It also lets you put an extra safety in the box on rundowns, knowing that they're more unlikely to take a deep drop and attempt a deep shot downfield. Like that should, in theory, help shore up some of those breakdowns that that just like went on last time we played this football team that fueled their offense. I don't know. I think by and large, our defensive approach should look a lot like it looked against the Patriots. Just fill the box. Take away those running backs and the short area throwing. Make Andy, you were here watching the game with us. I was. 
Mac Jones, at any point in that game, did you ever see him even threaten to rear back and just uncork one down the field? No. No, because not, it's, that, not, not only is it not the play calling, like he was bitching about it after the game. The, the, the run stinks, throw the ball. You mean to tell me that you as a quarterback can't just throw one? Right. Does your coaching staff give you such a short leash that you can't just decide you're going to go deep on a receiver? Then that means that you're a bad quarterback. <laughs> Correct. And they don't trust you. Right. That's <laughs> exactly what it means. They don't allow you to audible at the line of scrimmage. Well, then guess what? That means you're not good. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I just really think that better safety utilization in this game and the health of Jordan Poyer yeah. is going to make a giant difference towards reversing a lot of the trends that we saw the last time these two teams played. And then I think about just running back involvement on offense. It's going to be really hard for the Bills to steal against the Jets through the air. Everyone's tried it. Everyone's failed. DJ Reed, his health, that's worth monitoring, but he's out with an illness. We watched guys come back and play with an illness last week, and they look they look pretty healthy. Right. So I, I guess like it's a lesson in the NFL. Like everybody learned early on throughout the season, like, hey, this Jets secondary is really good. And yet Ken Dorsey thought he knew better. We only ran the ball twelve times using our running uh, using our running backs. And on the whole, our running backs got 18 total touches. That's malfeasance. I should be able to sue it. Mark, Mark Smith, if you're out there listening to this, Rock Power Report attorney Mark Smith, let me know if I can sue Ken Dorsey for malfeasance in this instance. Or just I know that this team is great against, like, they're great against the pass. Let's just throw into it a, a dozen times. Chris, remember the Miami game where we threw 63 times? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I remember that. I think, like, neg- I think negligence is really the word you're looking for. Is that it? Malfeasance, negligence. Hey, Mark, call in if you're out there. Here's what I know. Like, their coverage players are really, really talented for the Jets. The defensive line is playing some of the best football of any defensive line in the NFL, and they're getting contributions from everyone. I'm going to run this down. Carl Lawson, defensive end, five pressures and a sack in the last two games. Defensive ends Bryce Huff and John Franklin Myers each have five pressures and a sack per man in their last two games. Defensive tackle Quinton Williams. Chris, can you guess his stat line? No. Five pressures and a sack in his last two games. If you throw in rotational contributions from guys like the Terminator, Clemens, who is apparently still like when you Andy. Yeah. When you see a guy get carted off the field, he's he's probably hurt pretty bad. I would imagine so. He comes back to the field and you go, wow, that's that's wild. Yeah, that's toughness. He gets carted off the field again a second time. And then all of a sudden he's back on the sideline with a helmet on and he comes back into the game. At what point do we not start looking at this almost through a biblical lens and we go, well, well, is this like, like not to be (laughs) right? No, I just think to myself, I've never seen a coach kill a man before, but let's see what happens here. Let's let's see what happens here. But also like, are you? Like, are you just rising from the dead? Right, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah what's exactly. happening here? What is... Call are, that man Lazarus, man. Are, are you Lazarus? I don't understand it. 
So you throw that in, you throw Sheldon Rankins into the mix, you're going to have a hard time coming up with any kind of a game plan as an, as an offensive coordinator that can neutralize the impact of the Jets' defensive line. They're getting too many contributions from too many different places. Considering the health of our offensive tackles, the way our team is built, this is not a game where you want to see Allen taking seven-step drops, running around trying to find an open receiver, spending more than three seconds with the ball in his hand, trying to throw it 45 times or more a game and trying to get a victory. Feed this running back group. Yes. And James Cook had a breakout game this past week. Feed him the ball. Like, that's it. You need to be the, like, this is the thing. They have everything, right? They have the coverage. They have pressure. So like a rock in the middle of the river, the Bills are going to have to find a way to work around the Jets' defensive strengths. And I think that that means just in the run and pass, the running backs have to be your focus. They have to be. I think you run a lot of 11 personnel to thin out the numbers in the front seven. You bring in Hines, you bring in McKenzie, you throw in some pre-snap motion to move the linebackers around. And then uh, you build route combinations that force the linebackers to like we did to the Patriots. Look at Dawson Knox. Had a quiet night against the Patriots. One target, no catches. Went out for a route on 33, 33 times on 38 passing snaps. He manipulated the defense so that they would vacate the box, and he was instrumental in making sure Cook could get open. Did that or did that not pace the offense? No, he contributed, absolutely, whether he caught the ball or not. He was a contributor on offense. I think that we're watching Ken Dorsey finally learn how to string this together. Not just, hey, I can design a play where there's two open receivers. He's learning, well, if I do this defense's act this way, So I can chain moves together and say, Dawson, I need you to go up the seam. You're gonna you're gonna buck and then you're gonna buck kind of like a you're gonna chip, and then you're gonna release. And as you release, it's gonna carry the linebacker. As that backer vacates, that's when Cook is gonna leak out, and we're gonna turn the ball to him, and he's gonna get six. That's it. That's all we need. Right. Six, seven yards at a time will destroy you. And then if you choose to sink in and really try to take that away, we have a Diggs who can get loose down the field. We have a Gabe Davis. We have Isaiah McKenzie who, when he gets open into the open field, he's dangerous. If he's having a good game, yes. It's just I want to see a heavy dose of running back involvement in this game because that's the only way you're going to keep this offense on schedule. Mm -hmm. You're going to eat the clock necessary, and you're going to keep the ball out of their hands long enough for us to come away with a win. Chris, Chop. any thoughts? No. Win. Final thoughts, predictions. Here's my prediction. Win, so you have to pay for a stake. That's all I care about at this point. Andy, predictions. I think you need to take the game plan you did against the Patriots, tweak it slightly, but the, the hallmark of the last game was that we ran more than we passed. Do that. That worked. Keep doing the thing that works. So, yeah, if, if you are smart enough to do it, you don't try to overthink yourself and out-cute yourself, you'll win the game. Hot damn. My prediction, I genuinely believe the Bills will win this game. They have to. They don't have a choice. I can't wait for you to pay for a steak. I'm not getting swept by the Jets. Dude, you don't think, you don't think I want to buy a steak as a Super Bowl winner? Andy, where should he take Greg for a steak? And don't uh, say Longhorn. No. Uh, I vote Western Door. That's my 
my pick would Gene Carlos Williamsville Gene Carlos that's interesting we went to the chop house okay Gene Carlos is interesting I don't know we're gonna think about it I can't wait hopefully I don't have to hopefully again you're gonna pay hopefully this gets me one step forward to having to buy a steak dinner guys this has been a great time. I love doing these podcasts, but for tonight, we have to get the hell out of here. I'm Drew Gear. That's Chris Kruger. That's Andy Parks. This has been your Rock Ball Report. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.